Well, we're making kind of a big deal about kindness today. I wonder if that seems like a bland kind. Uh, Kindness can be a powerful force for good uh, and a force for gospel advance in the world today. Uh, In her memoir about the journey from being a committed lesbian to a committed Christian and pastor's wife, uh, Rosaria Butterfield says that as a non-Christian, her impression of evangelical Christians was that they were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity. Uh, She published a critique of an evangelical Christian group in her local newspaper. She She was a tenured professor at Syracuse University, and so she published this article, and she received an enormous volume of very polarized responses. Uh, She placed an empty box in each corner of her desk and she sorted out the hate mail uh, into one and the uh, fan mail into the other. And then she received a two-page response from a local pastor. And and she said it was a kind and inquiring letter. Uh, It had a warmth to it, a civility to it, uh, in addition to some probing Uh, questions that challenged her thinking and she couldn't figure out which box to put the letter in so she just let it sit there on her desk for uh, about a week she said it was the kindest letter of opposition that i had ever received Uh, it's it's tone demonstrated that the writer was not against her Uh, that letter also included an invitation for her to join this pastor and his wife for dinner And eventually she contacted that pastor and became friends with him and his wife. And she said, they talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. Their friendship, uh, their kindness was an important part of her journey to the faith. Uh, You can read more about her story uh, in her book, which is titled Secrets of an Unlikely Convert. Incidentally, if any of you happen to have my copy of it, I would like it back. Because I could not find it this week. I may have given it to somebody. Uh, Kindness is no small thing. It yields, even as we just saw in that one little example, it yields marvelous fruit both in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And uh, I want to not just show you that by one illustration or one anecdote, but from the word of God this morning as we continue our study uh, on the fruit of the spirit. We are studying this list, the fruit of the spirit, as Paul instructed the Galatians about that in Galatians chapter five. But we're leaning on the aid and instruction of God's wisdom found in the book of Proverbs to help us think more about each of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And we're just working through each of those uh, characteristics mentioned there. And the big idea in that passage is that meeting the risen Lord Jesus changes people. Uh, The spirit of God changes people when he comes in and takes up residence within Christ's blood-bought people. 
I think we often fail to grapple with this wonder. If you are here this morning, you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus. If you have not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus and you're here, we are grateful that you're here. I will have something to say to you uh, later in this service. But if you are here this morning, you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of the risen Lord is in you. He has changed you. He has caused you to be born again, and he is in the process of progressively changing you so that we begin more and more to resemble his perfect purity and holiness in our lives. Whereas we once were sarcastic and harsh and cruel and selfish and vengeful, sharp or inconsiderate or condescending or just plain mean, Whereas once we were like that, the spirit of Christ is working in his people to make us more. We, we lamentably, perhaps even as I mentioned those vices, you still see some evidence of those things in your soul. He is continuing to work in you to put those vices to death and to exude more and more the fruit of kindness. And the book of Proverbs does give us some wisdom about that pursuit of kindness. Uh, so if you uh, have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. You can start in chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple of Proverbs mainly this morning. And before I read them to you, I'm going to just ask for the Lord's blessing Upon our time as we consider his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we do need your help. Um, it is your spirit who gives life. We thank you for the life that we have come to find. Those of us who have been born again to a living hope, we have found life by your spirit. We pray that your spirit would be active among us now. Giving us understanding and illumination into your word helping us all to make wise application of it to our lives. And that you would do this, Father, we ask for the glory of your own name as we seek to honor you and represent you faithfully in our lives, in our life together as a congregation and in all of our spheres of influence. May you grant us more uh, kindness as we meditate upon you and your rich kindness to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs eleven seventeen. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Uh, one more I'll just put before you here right at the start. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Isn't that a remarkable statement? I mean, they're all remarkable statements. It's God's word. But whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. From those verses, I would like to pose and consider with you two questions. Uh, number one, what is kindness? Number two, what reward does kindness yield? 
What is kindness and what reward does kindness yield? What is kindness? I wonder if that seems like too elementary of a question to be considering in church. Larry, I'm thinking you might be able to make this sermon a good bit shorter if you just passed over that one because I think it's fairly straightforward. We know what kindness is. It's not hard to recognize kindness when you see it. There is some merit in that sentiment. Uh, I have engaged at times in my years as a Christian and as a pastor, I have engaged in many uh, lengthy and animated, uh, let me call them discussions, with other believers about a variety of weighty theological topics. Uh, Topics such as the relationship between predestination and uh, human responsibility and free will, or uh, discussions about uh, spiritual gifts and whether some of those spiritual gifts, particularly of a miraculous nature, if they died off in the first century or if they continue on to our own day, uh, or discussions about uh, all manner of intricacies and nuances of teaching related to the end times. Issues related to the rapture and the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, or discussions with believers about the subject of baptism and whether uh, infants of believing adults should be baptized or whether baptism should be reserved only for those who themselves have professed faith in Christ. And even amongst those of us who agree that only believers in Christ should actually be baptized. I have also engaged in discussions, uh, sometimes lengthy and animated, about the proper age at which a child or young person uh, should be baptized. There are many other kinds of discussions that I have had of similar nature. I've never had a hearty debate or discussion with another Christian about what kindness is. It's not rocket science. I understand that. That being said, I believe we would be wise to press beyond our intuitive sense of what kindness is and think a little bit about the Bible's uh, meaning of the word. And that may actually help us to be growing in the fruit of kindness ourselves. Uh, The Tyndale Bible Dictionary defines kindness as The state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts. Uh, Kids, that was a lot of long words. Kids, I'll give you a shorter definition. What does it mean? What is kindness? Kindness is being thoughtful and quick to do good to others. Kindness is being thoughtful and quick to do good to others. And I think those definitions, the longer adult version or the kid-friendly version, I think those definitions are useful. But perhaps the most important thing that we can say about what kindness is, is that kindness is a characteristic of God. This word in Proverbs eleven seventeen and Proverbs twenty one twenty one is the word is the Hebrew word 
hesed. And over the years, I do not like to pontificate about Hebrew words because I really don't know very much Hebrew at all. But there are one or two words that I have from time to time brought to your attention. And this word hesed is one of them. It is such a rich word, a sweet word that is regularly, very often used to describe God's disposition towards us. And it's such a rich word that translations have a hard time translating it. It could be steadfast love or covenant love or covenant loyalty or loving kindness. But it's that word, that very sweet characteristic of God that is here uh, commended to the people of God in how they're to treat others. Kindness is a characteristic of God. Uh, it is a pretty cruel world that we live in. But the world is no meaner than in its meanness to God himself. And yet, what extraordinary, what shocking kindness he displays even towards those who are his enemies. We were reminded that from the words of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 6, that our heavenly father, Luke 6.35, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Even those who live the most hardened, embittered, meanest lives are surrounded day after day after day by showers of God's kindness. Beautiful days and minds and bodies and words and friends and family and food and shelter and thousands, I do not think I am exaggerating to say thousands of ordinary, everyday divine kindnesses that we take for granted, that we disregard, that are presumed upon until they are gone. All of those kindnesses come from God, who we were reminded in Psalm 145 is kind in all his works. The Apostle Paul, I just heard, okay, I will just say, I will interject, because I think it was you back there, Mrs. Gillum. Uh, I, I, Brian said this, I think, when he was here, Brian Davis, when he was here a few months back, and it's just helpful for me to, I just think, and I, he says that regularly, and I'm going to say it, it would not discourage me if, as you're hearing the word of God proclaimed, I would not discourage me if you responded in some way and communicated your encouragement with something, like by saying amen or praise God or hallelujah, You don't need to have a long conversation with me about it. You don't need to draw a lot of attention to yourself. But it will not discourage me. I am reiterating what he said that morning. It will not discourage me if you communicate encouragement when you hear something from God's word that is an encouragement to your soul. That is not in my notes, but that's okay. Amen. Uh, The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul preached this truth of God's kindness uh, to a pagan uh, people in the city of Lystra when he said that even as God acts, this is Acts chapter 14, even as God allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, that means to walk in ignorant defiance of him, even as he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, he showed kindness to the evil and the ungrateful and he did not leave himself without witness for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Such kindness, uh, whether it was in David's day when he said the Lord is kind in all his works, or in Jesus' day, or in Paul's day, or in our own day, all these kindnesses, they are not random, but they are purposeful. They are meant, we're told in Romans 2, 4, God's kindness is meant to lead us to 
repentance. That's right. And that implies that the recipients of all this kindness have not yet turned to him in submission and are thus still his enemies. God is kind even to his enemies. There is, there is no one living. There is no one among us here today. There is no one alive today or who has ever lived who could legitimately say, God has not been kind to me. It would be right. It would be fair. It would not be cruel at all if time stopped right now and every one of us went to hell immediately. Uh, I saw a commercial this past week. It was on YouTube. Uh, maybe you've seen this. I think it's been around in circulation for some years. Uh, Ron Reagan Jr., the president of former... The son, did I say, of former President Reagan. Ron Reagan Jr., a vowed and enthusiastic atheist, uh, was making an advertisement for some kind of atheist society that he was seeking to raise funds for uh, to protect our nation and its constitution from what he perceives as the uh, religious intrusion upon uh, secular institutions. And it's about a 60-second advertisement. And he says at the end, uh, he signs off and his, his last words are, Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. And he said it in such a, I mean, the smirk on his face when he said that line, not afraid to burn in hell. I'm not a violent person, but I wanted to, I wanted to kick that man in the face. I'm not sure that I would say amen to that because I don't know that that was a godly response. Exactly. I'm not saying it's to I'm not proud of that reaction. I'm simply calling attention to it to highlight the contrast with God's response to that smirk, which is to keep on pouring kindness upon that man day after day after day, supplying him literally with the very breath he was using to blaspheme the almighty giver of every good thing. Day after day after day, God is kind to the evil and the ungrateful. And whether we are all as brazen enough as Ron Reagan Jr. to say it like that, it is the natural fallen condition of each one of us to have that kind of lack of regard, that kind of disdain for the Almighty. There is no one... God's word tells us there is no one who seeks for God. All have become worthless. There is no fear of God before their eyes. But instead of subjecting us on the spot to the full fury of his wrath, which is what we deserve to be fully engulfed in fiery indignation, cut off from all goodness and joy of his presence. And Jesus does speak about this. Jesus is strong and kind. He says his father is kind, but he does speak of a day of retribution, a day of judgment where there will be nothing but agony. There will be nothing but gloom. He will not be happy to be there. He, he, there's not this attitude that something, I mean, Ron Reagan, this, this is one man, but it's kind of a common sentiment of like, you know what? I'd rather laugh with the sinners and be in hell with the sinners than, you know, be all holy and pot. Like we, people talk like that, but, and yet it is a place of agony and gloom where we're told the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever where there is only weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that is the earned and deserved place of every sinner, which is every person. 
when that was our lot, when that should have been our portion, God shows kindness. He shows the kindness of forbearance which is the kind of forbearance that he's shown uh, in Acts 14, where he, he allowed the nations to walk in their own way, but finally he was bringing them the good news of the Lord Jesus. And that is the most full and complete way that God's kindness is displayed is in the arrival of the Lord Jesus. We ourselves, Paul says, I shared this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I don't mind repeating myself. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. We were in bad shape. And that is a great understatement. We were slaves to the devil. We were destined for wrath. We were enemies of God, dead in our sins, hostile to him, having no defense for having fallen short of his glory and having no hope in ourselves for any deliverance. That was our condition. But, Titus 3, 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I was just thinking, I I just made a little note in my, in my, uh, manuscript here as we were singing praise to the lord the almighty and that line ponder anew what the almighty can do you question his power you question his goodness ponder anew what the almighty can do if with his love he befriend us what can't he do If he could take people like us, ungrateful, unkind, evil people like us, and turn us from his enemies into his very own heirs. And we're just getting started in the experience of that kindness, beloved. That's what Ephesians 2, 7 uh, brought to our attention as Steve read that to it, that we've known kindness. We have known the kindness of his patience with us before we had come to Jesus. We know his kindness each and every day in manifold ways. But Ephesians 2, 7 says that it's going to take coming ages, not just a coming age, not just one more age, but coming ages for him to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's a lot of kindness. Coming ages of immeasurable riches of grace in kindness. So if you are here this morning and you have have not put your faith in Christ, if you continue, as it says in Acts 14, to walk your own way, Why would you go on ignoring and belittling this lavish kindness by your resistance of him? His kindness has brought you here today even to hear of his kindness. And his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I want you to be very, very clear. 
when I just read in Titus 3 and Ephesians 2, and I used the word us, he saved us. He's going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. The us here is not everybody just by virtue of your showing up to a church service. The, the us is those who have repented of their sin and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn it. That's what Titus 3 clearly said. Not by works of righteousness that we could do, but it is by recognizing your profound sin against him and that you can do nothing in yourself to repair that breach that you have made between yourself and the Almighty and to cry out to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. And if you would do that today, he will save you. He will rescue you. He will transfer you from the domain of darkness where that full fury of his wrath is the uh, 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 intended destination, where that is the end. And he will rescue you and he will transfer you into the kingdom of his beloved son. He will do that for you today if you would call out to him. Jesus, have mercy upon me. And he is strong and he is kind and he will do it. Do it today. To my brothers and sisters in Christ here, this experience of his lavish kindness to us in Jesus is the soil in which the fruit of kindness is born in our own lives. Say, I, I thought this was a series on Proverbs. You mentioned a couple of Proverbs. I'm just trying to help you think about the word kind in Proverbs 11:17 and Proverbs 21:21. 21, 21. I have something I want to say here, but I'm going to hold that off for a few weeks. Sorry, course corrections as I go. Proverbs does instruct us, okay, with that foundation of kindness. Proverbs does help us to think about what a kind life looks like. And it does this in many ways. You, you could, as I think I commended in the first week of this series with regard to love, you could put the kindness lens on. And just go through and read through the whole book of Proverbs and there will be lots of application being made and things that you might think about, be convicted of, be encouraged by as you seek to grow in kindness. Uh, the tongue, kindness with our tongue would be one of those things. We're told of the, the virtuous wife in Proverbs 31 that the teaching of kindness is on her lips. And I'll have more to say about our words and the tongue in some of the upcoming sermons as we continue in the fruit of the spirit. But I want to just zero in on one strand of teaching that the book of Proverbs gives us to shape our pursuit of kindness. And that's kindness to the poor and needy. Uh, listen to a few Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty one: Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Or that same chapter, verse 31, Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Uh, Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Now, those those three Proverbs that I just read do not use that same word for kindness. It doesn't use that Hebrew word hesed that I mentioned earlier. But that is, I mean, it's, that's what it's commending, isn't it? Show loving affection, show sympathy, show friendliness, show patience and pleasantness and gentleness and goodness, particularly to those among you who are poor. 
and who are needy. Now, those words, I mean, just to hear poor and needy, there's a stigma there. So nobody in this room wants to be regarded as the poor one. But this is a category that the scriptures speak of regularly. Uh, not a person who's needy simply because they are lazy will we'll have much to say next Sunday, Lord willing, about the sluggard, not commended. It's not a kindness to just keep on allowing the sluggard to live as a sluggard. Okay, we'll talk about that. But there are some, due to any number of circumstances that are outside of their control, that have caused them to, to lack, to have need. It may be material need. But it may not be a material need. It may be some other kind of experience of destitution. It may be a need for companionship, a need for some kind of practical service or help, a need for encouragement, a need for a ride or a visit or a meal. And what these Proverbs are teaching us, the, 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 the direct application of those Proverbs is about our financial generosity towards the poor. But I believe the, a, a larger implication is that wise people treat all people with respect and kindness out of reverence for God, who is the maker of all. Right? Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Maybe Jesus had some of these proverbs in mind when he envisioned the final day of judgment for his disciples. And he said in Matthew 25, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the, the disciples were, as we're told the vision of that day, the disciples, they're, they're, they're like, when did we do? When did we see you in all those conditions? And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. There, there's an awful lot of when I, I mentioned, the, you know, uh, baptism and spiritual gifts and at end times, there's a whole lot of debate and discussion about the topic and theme of social justice these days. And I don't know where I trust that in a room this size, we're in different places of the map. When we even hear the term social justice and what we think that means or how to go about that. And I'm not saying that conversation is not helpful, just as I do believe conversation about those other matters can be helpful. But it's one thing to debate and quarrel about quote unquote social justice it's another thing to question, like, are we actually pursuing kindness to the needy? We can debate about it. We can discuss it all we want. Are we seeking to demonstrate God's kindness to the needy? That, too, is not rocket science. It's as easy as an invitation to lunch, even. Or dinner, as Jesus says in Luke chapter 14. When you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. I don't think that's a blanket condemnation of the fact that you had family over for Christmas or July 4th. But it reminds me of Luke 6.32 when he says, what good is it if you love those who love you? Like, that's not really like Christian discipleship. That's just basic common sense. People do that. But Jesus says, when you give a feast, invite the poor. The crippled, the lame, 
the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be blessed because in it you are reflecting something of the kindness of God. That's the kindness that God has shown to us. We were the spiritually poor with nothing to offer for our salvation. We were the crippled, made helpless and broken and needy because of our own sin. We were the blind, unable and unwilling to see him and to submit to his wise and loving rule. Uh, When we were in that miserable, weak, lowly condition, he showed us kindness. He came down from heaven, the high and holy one, the one of infinite splendor and wealth and greatness, he laid down his life to cleanse us from sin and save rebels and seat us at his table. When there was nothing lovable about us, Jesus came and he loved us and he is making us into something lovely, into his own image and glory. And part of that transformation, part of that image he is renewing us into is to have the will and the desire to give ourselves to the lowly as a demonstration of his lavish kindness to us in our profound lowliness. So I I, want to ask you very concretely and very practically, who can you show the kindness of God to today? Or this week? Who can you show the kindness of God to? And how will you do that? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, but that does not mean that we're to be entirely passive in the cultivation of it. What's the word Proverbs 21, 21 used? Those who pursue kindness. We're to pursue kindness. That word pursue is most often used in the Old Testament to describe the pursuit of one's enemies in in warfare. Uh, The way Pharaoh and the Egyptians pursued the Israelites as they were going, marching towards the Red Sea. The way Saul was hunting after David, pursuing him to put him to death. That's the word used to say, pursue kindness. Who can you show the kindness of God to? And how can you do that? We don't want to be mere hearers of the word today. We we want to be doers of it. Do a deliberate act of kindness for someone before you leave that's not hard to do like literally before you leave here you could show kindness to someone you could see someone who doesn't seem to know anybody or immediately have someone that they can talk to and you can pursue them hello that's kind you you could babysit for a couple who Never or rarely gets to go out. You could pay a visit to someone that you think or that you know is down or lonely. You could contribute some money to a person that needs help paying a bill. You could uh, help someone set a budget. You could cook a meal and you could deliver it to someone who has a need. You could open up your home to someone who rarely gets an invite. You could write a note to encourage uh, someone or identify an evidence of grace that you see in someone's life. You could pray for someone and then let them know that you prayed for them. Uh, you could buy a book for someone that you think would be helped by a particular book that's brought encouragement to, to you. There's lots of things that you can do, okay? 
You should, one thing that would be beneficial is for you, maybe over lunch today or sometime this week when you're with some brothers or sisters, just, talk, just brainstorm ways. How have you experienced kindness coming from God's people? And, and, or what are ways that you have shown kindness? And just brainstorm together how you can be doers of kindness, how you can pursue kindness. It, it could be a brother and sister. I've been talking about brothers and sisters, but it could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. It could even be an enemy. Proverbs commends in chapter 25 of verses 21 and 22 that if our enemy is hungry, if Ron Reagan is hungry, give that man some food. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Could even be our enemies like Ken Smith and his wife Floyd did for Rosaria Butterfield 25 years ago. Invite, invite that lady who hates us over to dinner. Show them, whatever it is, whether they're your brothers or sisters, your neighbors, your coworkers, your enemies, show them loving affection and sympathy and friendliness and patience and pleasantness and gentleness and goodness. Uh, to the kids, 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 just for a moment. I know there's a second question. I didn't get to it yet. It's considerably shorter. Fear not. Kids, it may be hard for you to know what your role is or what your place is in this church. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet. Maybe you're not a member of the church. And so you're not sure what, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I fit here. Even if you haven't been baptized, even if you're not a member of this church in name on a piece of paper, you can be a great blessing in this church by being kind to others. And it would be a wonderful thing for you to talk about with maybe your mom and dad later today, what are some ways that I could be thoughtful and quick to do good to others in my church and show others the kindness of God, even as you've received the kindness of God yourself? As we do that, kids, as we do that, adults, as we pursue kindness, we will be assured that we will know great blessing. Uh, that's the second question. That's, I told you, it's going to be brief. What reward, what reward does kindness yield? Uh, many of these proverbs that I have drawn your attention to today mention some kind of gain, some kind of reward or benefit in being kind, right? A man who is kind benefits himself. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life and righteousness and honor. What is this blessing? What is this reward in view? Well, I think there is a, I think there is a present reality being mentioned here and a future reality. In the present, those who pour themselves out for others in kindness, who are eager conduits of blessing in the lives of others, are themselves blessed now. That does not mean that you will have no adversity or that you will experience no lack in your life. But it means that those who give of themselves for the good of others taste some blessing and fullness even in their giving. Proverbs eleven twenty four: One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. I am well acquainted with the proverbial pity party. I excel in pity parties. It's not, not, you know, that's just 
That's true. And yet I have also seen many times over the years that when I get over myself and my real or perceived wounds and I pray for someone else and I reach out to encourage to someone else or I visit someone else or I counsel someone else, I find regularly that I walk away uplifted. I'm watered. That's what it says in Proverbs 11:25. I'm watered. I'm enriched. This is not uh, some health wealth. You'll never have a need again. That's not what it's talking about. But you are enriched in your acts and expressions of kindness. That's what the book of Proverbs is commending. It's a principle, not an absolute guarantee in this life. I'm not saying that if you would just show kindness to someone, you'll not feel depressed ever again. That's way too simplistic. But God has made us to flourish by being spent for others. It is more blessed, our Lord said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And while we have no guarantee that being generous and being kind and extending blessing, now we have no guarantee that that will solve all of our problems now, we actually do have that guarantee coming later. Where will righteousness and life and honor be ours in abundance with no mixture of pain or sorrow or weariness? It will come in the resurrection of the dead, the ultimate and abundant life that we will enjoy because of God's kindness to us in Christ. And even the book of Proverbs points us there. You know, the, 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 the Old Testament as a whole in the book of Proverbs, it's just a seed form of the future teaching that Jesus would give on the resurrection. But, but in Proverbs 14.31, right, I read to you, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. And the next verse says, the wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. How do you find refuge in your death? By getting raised from the dead. To a life of righteousness and honor and glory. And that's the life that we are promised in union with the risen Christ. You Christian. United with Christ, you will reign with Christ. And all things will one day be put in subjection to you. All things will have been shown to have been serving your great good. Your future united to Jesus, Christian brother and sister. Not just your future 10 months away or 10 years away, but 10 ages of millennia away, forever and ever. Your future will be one of unending righteousness and life and honor. You will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father. In his presence, you will know fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and when christ who is your life appears you will appear with him in glory in honor you 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 will seat you will be seated with your big brother jesus on his throne that almost sounds blasphemous if the if Jesus didn't himself say it in Revelation 3:21 we will sit with him on his throne you will never sin again and you will know and you will grow in immeasurable pleasures forever pleasures that will make the most exhilarating delights you've known in this life seem like watching paint dry and in some way 
that I confess to you, I don't entirely understand. Your acts and expressions of kindness will play a contributing factor in your portion and your experience of that coming glory. You will not have earned it. There's no earning anything with God. All is of grace. But you will be rewarded for it. I mentioned Luke 14. I did not read to you the very last little phrase there. I wonder if you noticed it when I read. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus said in another place, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Dear saints, kindness, kindness is a great glory that reflects the lavish character of our great God. And in his kindness, he promises great blessing to those who give themselves to being carriers of that kindness to each other, to our neighbors and relatives and co-workers and even to those who hate us. And so I, I, I'm going to give Jesus' half-brother James the last word. I mentioned it already, but let me just share it with you in full. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. May he grant us that blessing, beloved, as we seek to Receive God's kindness and show it to others. Love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your riches of grace in kindness toward us. We have known great kindness. And we long for that day when we will be experiencing those endless ages of kindness with no pain, no sorrow, no tears. As we wait for that day, Father, you have called us to represent you in our character, in our words, in our facial expressions, in countless ways to show that we are a people who have tasted your kindness and who show it by expressing kindness to others. Would you be pleased, Father, to work in us what is pleasing in your sight through Jesus, to whom be all glory and praise. Help us, even as we're going to sing now, help us to live a life that's dependent upon your grace, that's dependent upon your kindness. You're worthy to be praised with our every thought and deed. And so we ask, Father, that you would glorify your name through us and through making us a people who are kind. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.